welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 226. I am your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Today we're going to be discussing Voyager's fifth season uh, episodes, Course Oblivion, The Fight, and Think Tank. Here we go. Course Oblivion, Season 5, Episode 18, Production Code 213, Original Air Date, March 3rd, 1999, Directed by Anson Williams, Story by Brian Fuller, Teleplay by Brian Fuller and Nick Sagan, Music Composed by Paul Belergen. There were no guest stars in this episode. The Voyager crew celebrates the wedding of Lieutenant Torres and Lieutenant Paris, as well as the successful use of their enhanced warp drive that will cut the remaining time to the Alpha Quadrant down to two years. Their celebration is short-lived, as systems across the ship start to fail and Taurus comes down with a crippling disease that is breaking down her cellular structure, eventually succumbing to death. I don't understand. That wasn't Bellana. It was a duplicate. A biomimetic copy. Copy. We are all duplicates. None of us are real. Of course, Oblivion. Uh, I was just telling my colleagues here that last night I watched Transformers the movie with my son. So every time I see the Oblivion, I somehow hear Orson Welles saying <laughs> Oblivion, uh, which is nice, actually. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I, I understand why some people might not, but... Uh, this episode has a lot for me to uh, sink my teeth into. Adam, why don't you kick us off on, of course, Oblivion. Oblivion! Yeah, I like this episode too, Brian. First of all, because it, it connects to a, um, a previous episode. Um, in this, was it this season or last? You have to correct me. Where they, they're on the demon planet. And um, these, um, these creatures get, um, you know copy the Voyager crew. So yeah, it goes back to that episode. I kind of like it when you can interconnect um, stories along the way. A rare sequel for an episode. Yeah. Um, I also think it's kind of fun because in this episode with, with these, co- you can do th- you can do stuff that you may not necessarily be able to do with the real, with the real crew is of course, you know, you, um, you're marrying Tom and Bellana and, yeah, you know, that's a feel-good moment. Um, you kill Bellana early on, um, and then, you know, you're going through the episode, you know, you have the same dynamics with Chakotay and um, Janeway, you know, they're they're going back and forth. Chakotay obviously wanted to go back to the demon planet, because that's where they're from, and Janeway's still on course to go to Earth. Because So these characters, you know, I mean, it, it feels real to me that these these copies, they're perfect copies. They, they, they are... Chakotay Janeway and, and the entire crew. So they, they have all these feelings and these memories that make them, you know, the same people, uh, you know, as the characters that we've come to love the whole way. But like I said, you know, you can kind of do things, you know, that, you know, you, you kill them, you kill off the whole crew. So, I mean, it's, it must've been kind of um, liberating for the writers to, you know, to kind of write an episode like this, you know, things that you're, you're not going to do unless you're ending the, the series right away. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. I like how, tight the like the story is like there's not really any holes like there's this whole detailed thing about because they created this whole new much faster warp thing which there's another puzzle you're like wow they suddenly got this new warp system they're going so much faster they're going to be in earth uh, at earth in two years but then oh that's what caused them to destabilize because they didn't realize they were actually the silver liquid or whatever 
it's just a it's a pretty you know and you've got the uh you know part of the mystery when they're they're realizing that anything brought on board less than 30 or 40 weeks ago was okay and we know the real the reason is because that stuff was real and anything before that was actually created out of the same silver liquid stuff you know it's just it they plugged all the holes in the script which is which is um enjoyable in in, a, in an odd way for this episode it had one hole can i can i mention that okay so the one yeah i had it, I had it written down i'm like so i mean you know they're going back to the demon planet and the last projected time that they get back to the demon planet is like five weeks and you know obviously that's kind of when they sort of run into the um you know the real voyager and so the one hole i thought was like well didn't they you know voyagers traveled quite a quite a ways in the eight months eight months you know they've done some slip steam drift drives and that kind of thing so it doesn't seem like they're that far away from the demon planet i suppose well no because um, they have that they have their she engages the funky drive the super fast drive right she's she just she chooses to do that when they turn around to head back toward the demon planet so that's an that must you know if it's going to take voyager 70 years to get there at their warps maximum warp right Right then, uh, for this ship to do it in two, that tells you it's an order of magnitude faster. So that that didn't seem like a stretch to me that Voyager, the real Voyager, could still be far away from the Demon Planet, and fake Voyager could catch up that quickly. Fake Voyager, Voyager yeah. B, yeah, or Voyager A, Liquid Voyager, <laughs> no bloody A, no bloody B. So that didn't seem like a a hole to me. Mercury Voyager. Steve, you're uh, you've been silent. What do you think about the shiny, happy silver? <laughs> yeah, I really like this episode too, and I think I like it more now than I did originally. I mean, I, I liked it originally. I remember this again, the rare kind of sequel to an episode, but I liked it more because. And we'll get to what I think it has to say, but I think it's 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 really well done, and I think it's it's harder than it looks because when you have an episode that you know, by a third of the way into it or so, you know, okay, this isn't our Voyager, you know, this isn't our people. And the bulk, the vast bulk of the episode deals with them. And so essentially it's impossible to move the, our characters along in any way, shape or form or tell a story that, you know, is remembered in this universe and it still be a memorable and good episode, I think is, is, is quite a feat anyway. And, and, and yeah, I think the, the pacing of it, the interesting things it has to say, the story, what it does with these particular characters and their plight and stuff. I, I, I do really enjoy this episode. Did anybody else think that once they started getting their illnesses on their face and stuff, that they, they looked like Chet from weird science kind of near the end there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 That's what he, that's what they look like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bill Paxton, we miss you. I like that Kim had a real chance of command there. Fake Kim. Mm-hmm. The thing that that and I agree with you too that it's more enjoyable for me now. I think part of it was the ending at the time was kind of a gut punch. It was it was so unlike. I mean, obviously the whole episode is 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 really straddling the line there between being similar to normal Star Trek episodes and then completely different. But that ending, there's no way around it. There's the ending in this episode that I mean, it's called Course Oblivion. It ends with. There's just no trace of them. Not even their little probe or whatever, the time capsule thing gets out. And and our real Voyager just sees what's left and there's nothing. They don't have any information about what happened. So everybody dies. The ship is destroyed and they leave no legacy. Nobody ever knows anything about them, which is way darker than we're used to. 
So I remember liking this episode at the time, but really feeling dissatisfied, like incomplete and in probably in like a narratively positive way, I guess, like a narratively effective way. I mean, that, that, it's something, it's a feeling I don't usually get from a Star Trek episode because they aren't going to kill off every, all the major characters or something uh, in every average episode. But, it, you know, it, it did feel like a little bit of a gut punch. And I think now I'm able to enjoy it a little bit more for what it is. But it's still kind of, it's still a bit heavy there at the end. You know, it still leaves you feeling dissatisfied. It It, it almost forces you to like, find something else out of the episode because otherwise if you don't start thinking about what it's about you know which we can talk about in a second but if you don't start thinking about those sorts of things then you feel like there was no point to the episode and then that then and that's how i can see somebody would not care for this there's there's this at the end of this episode there's nothing there's no change to anybody anywhere anytime nothing like this episode brings nothing I can see somebody making that argument. I would disagree with it because what I think it does give us about our characters, and this is where we can get into kind of what it's about, but the interesting thing here is that it, in a way, it distills our real Voyager characters down into their essence. The fact that Janeway's instinct, you know, um, liquid Janeway, her instinct is to continue the mission to Earth, no matter what. You know, I think there's there's something interesting in there for all these characters about that the drive that our real characters must have, you know, what really defines them. And in this episode, we kind of boil everybody down to their basics and to kind of shine a light on that, to have that sort of transparency into our real characters that, I mean, that is illuminating and that is worthwhile. And then, and and it, it makes this episode worth it for me. And that's why I like it. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, you know, it's what I was saying earlier, you know, they were able to do something that you can't do with your main character, especially in, in Star Trek. So let, let's think about the realities. You have a ship that's, so, you know, 70,000 light years from, from home. You know, the likelihood of it getting back is slim to none. But, I mean, you know, if you, you take that none, you know, you're not going to have a series. So, I mean, you know, Star Trek is generally a positive and it's a generally a feel good um series to watch you know at the end of every episode it's not a dark bleak ending you know we get the cliffhangers obviously you know that bring us back and you know you get the you know thing but there's never been there's not like a finality as such you know even when spock died he didn't really die so you know it's kind of like marvel you know nobody's ever really dead except uncle ben that's <laughs> the rule except uncle ben <laughs> uncle ben but yeah i mean you were able to kind of show um like i was saying i think it was might have been a little bit liberating for the writers because you know you kind of get to throw a little bit of reality into this series that yeah they're they might die and nobody knows what happened to voyager you know people back home but nobody 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 knows and that's kind of kind of the realism of of what the probable outcome is for voyager now obviously that's not the case like i said because it's a series and you know it's a happy ending that kind of sort of thing and we'll get to that at the end of season seven but yeah i mean yeah i mean you get to show realism in this or in episode. picard yeah <laughs> you get to show realism in this episode because you're not you're not really killing off the characters but in the way they are the real characters because you know what you were saying brian you know they still have this drive uh, you still but even after we find out that they're copies you still believe that these are the characters that we've come to love over the past several seasons i think i think what's so interesting about this is that like like we were talking it's like um in a way yeah one could argue 
there's no consequence. It's about, it's about nothing because they end up, but, you know, I commend them for going all the way like that. They had to do that. They had to like make their, in the end, there's no sign of them existing at all because that's kind of the point. In the end, it's like, I mean, if you, if you stretch that analogy on, you know, this whole idea of leaving some kind of legacy behind, you know, like of, you know, will I be remembered? Well, we none will be someday in the grand scheme of things. It's all such an infinitesimal nonsense nothingness, right? So if you let your mind go off that way, existence is is that, you know? So for me, what this has to do with is, is living by some set of, uh, you know, a, a, some kind of system of principles and values and trying to fulfill everything it is to be a sentient being and, and whatever that means to you um, in whatever existence you have, regardless of the fact that if no one else is ever going to know that or remember it, because that's what happened to that crew, you know, and I agree in a way that it's, it is because we're distilling this down to the, the essence of what these characters are. So it does comment on the characters because we do see their personality. It's the same personality, but in the end they decide to live by how they want to live, even if they know it's, it's pointless, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of, to me, that's the message is this notion of you just, you just be all that you can. Cause in the end it's, it's all nothing anyway. So you just, you just maximize your time while you have it. They don't have a legacy. Nobody knows these people are going to, you know, this crew was ever going to exist. But I mean, that's not necessarily true. They've had interaction. They had interactions with different species along the way, so they will be remembered. Yeah, impact. that's not that's not necessarily the point. I mean, they lived. You know, it's it's that old analogy. Do you hear a tree falling in the forest if nobody's there? It's yeah. There's sounds still there. There's still meaning in what they did and how they lived. Um, even though nobody's going to know that, it doesn't matter because that's true to themselves, and they were true to their characters or character. By the standards of our show, I think we have objectively proven this is a good episode. Aye. Oh, Lord. Unfortunately, wrapping up our discussion on this episode means we're going to be talking about the fight shortly. But we're going to do it. We're professionals. We're going to or, work through it okay. for the good till all are one. Um, well, we get the think tank, too, so it's not all bad. Yeah. Okay, let's do six degrees for course oblivion. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Name the previous episode that this episode is a sequel to. Oh, yeah. If you don't remember it, you're going to hit yourself when you hear it. Oh, good. Um, (laughs) Let's see. (laughs) What kind of... Yeah, it it, it has something. Yeah. Yep. Is it demon? Yes, sir. It's demon. Ah, Yes. Demon class planet. All right. I think it's class Y, right? Yeah. All right. Adam, both this episode and the next episode, The Fight, only feature a fake slash alternate version of which of our series leads. The real version is not seen. Maybe Bolano? Nope. Steve? Okay, so which one is only... Is only, we only see the fake one in this case. So both this episode and the fight. And the fight, yeah, yeah. So, um, gosh. Is it Harry? Nope. It was Neelix. I think Harry is on the bridge at the end oh, of okay. this episode. Uh, it was Neelix. Oh, yes. All right. Steve has one. Moving on. The Fight, Season 5, Episode 19, Production Code 208, Original Air Date, March 24th, 1999. 
Directed by Winrick Colby. Story by Michael Taylor. Teleplay by Joe Minoski. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Ray Walston as Boothby, Carlos Palomino as the boxer, and Ned Romero as Chicote's grandfather. Chicote is in sickbay, struggling to communicate with aliens through a vision quest. Through flashbacks, we learn of the events leading up to this scene. Chicote is in the holodeck boxing simulation where he is knocked out. Shortly after, Voyager is pulled into chaotic space, an area where the laws of physics are in a constant state of flux. I'm tired. I want to sleep. If you lose consciousness, it could sever your link with the aliens. Aliens? The ones who live in this place. We're trapped here. They may know a way out. It's urgent that you speak with them. But I don't understand what they're saying. I can try to help you understand. I'm going to end up like my grandfather, a crazy old man. No, you're not crazy. Oh, boy, the fight. Yeah. You know, there's a part, I don't know, halfway, a little less than that, into this episode. Chakotay is just sitting in his his quarters, I think. and, And he's like, computer, did you say something? And the computer says, negative. And he just slowly and calmly goes back to what he was doing i want to take that little 10 seconds and just make like a video loop of it <laughs> so he's just sitting there calmly computer did you say something no okay. <laughs> computer did you say something no oh, okay and i'm just going to loop it over and over for 46 minutes <laughs> and i'm going to enjoy that way more than this episode i think this is my least favorite episode of the entire series and that's me being really nice. I, 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 I'm just going to use the H word, folks. I hate this episode. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. My last note in my I made for about this was, yay! I finished this episode. I never have to watch it again. I swear to God, I'm never going to watch this episode again as long as I live. Put this one next to Move Along Home for me. I freaking hate this episode. Whew. Steve, yeah. tell us why I am wrong and the fight is quality Star Trek. No, no. But, but you know, um, what I do think your, your comparison reminds me of, you know, generally speaking, a lot of people think Threshold is the worst Voyager episode. You know, the one with the warp 10 plus. Yeah, but at least that one I can laugh at. Yes. And it's not made so. I, I mean, I, this one, I, I, I wrote like, oh, this is a lengthy hallucination sequence. Oh, my Lord, this is really lengthy. Wow, this is long. Oh, my God, this is long. And then I just started writing, please stop, please stop, please stop. Yeah. Well, I think I think this analogy is appropriate. I mean, I think it's it's kind of like, you know, where Spock's brain, you know, in the original series has this kind of thing where it's so crazy, it's funny, you know, and so that that's enjoyable. And so I'd much rather watch that than there were, you know, a handful of third season episodes in the original series that are just kind of like nothing, you know, or whatever. That's kind of like Threshold in this episode are really, because this one is just kind of like, this is, this is ridiculous, you know, I mean, it's so poor you know like what i mean it's one of those that i i really would like i think it'd be very entertaining if anyone could recall it who made it you know to like say you know what were you thinking i think that'd be a good thing just like have a let's gather all these people together we're commemorating the whatever anniversary of uh what are we at now the 20 year anniversary of the fight and so what were you thinking i think i that's i mean it's it's almost like a morbid kind of curiosity yeah and then you'd ask him and then like the audience would laugh and he and and he would smile Manoski, he would smile and you're like no i'm serious no really this is, this is really serious <laughs> what are you thinking you jerk <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just uh, i don't yeah i mean i you know the yeah the the, the hallucinations i mean it, 
I, I really wonder if anyone thought it was there was something going on here that was that was anything worth anything. I, I don't know how they went down this line. Maybe they got like kind of like a third way in, and they're just like, you know what? Where it's too far gone, we just keep going and make it as ludicrous as yeah. They got they had to be at a point where like this is a poop sandwich. <laughs> We're just gonna take the <laughs> biggest bite out of it. <laughs> we got to get a show out. <laughs> And Ray Walston's, I mean, you know, it's almost like one of those, uh, yeah, like it's a, it's, it's a sad thing, kind of, you know, it's like, let's use one of these or, you know, or this veteran kind of iconic actor, you know, that kind of story and put him in this, you know, I mean, again, it's a sad thing, kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, this episode is, is five minutes of actual story and character or whatever stretched to 45 minutes mm-hmm. and it feels like it. I swear you could I swear you could cut this episode into five minutes and it would be it would give us just as much information and just as much character and just as much everything and it would be five minutes long. Yep. And and I remember believe me, I remember hating this episode when it came out. And then I'm sure this is only the third time I've ever watched it. I remember watching it when the DVDs came out and I went through all the DVDs, which would have been the second time I watched it. And I remember hating it both of those times and really thinking how it was the worst episode of the show and specifically thinking they can't make a Chakotay episode. That's good. This is what we get when they try to make a Chakotay episode. I don't ever, I don't need to, don't even try anymore. I don't want it. So yeah, I was going to, you know, I have just to be Which clear. Which maybe isn't fair, but that's, that's how I remember feeling then. And it's kind of how I made me feel now. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I don't, to start off with, yeah, I didn't like this episode either. It's horribly all over the place. It's got no focus. It's, I mean, we can go into all the reasons why it's bad, but I think we'd be waste, wasting our time. But I kind of, I didn't feel hatred for this episode, um, Brian. I, I kind of felt sad, honestly. I mean, you know, since Cass has left, you know, you know, Robert gets gets a lot of the bad writing, and I, he, he's a good actor. I like the character Jacote. But I mean, come on, they have, there's no imagination this episode. I mean, how many times do we go back to the vision quest? I mean, it's just, I, they don't get creative with Chakotay. They don't really take him out of his element too often. You know, what are the two Chakotay episodes? It's, you know, it's either, um, you know, a vision quest where he's going off or it's, a, you know, a, a bad romance. Um but those are those are Jacote's <laughs> two two episodes. You know, those are the two plot lines that he gets when um you know he gets an episode on his on his own. And um, I, it honestly, like I said, it honestly made me feel sad because I'm like, I mean, wh- you know, I mean, you got a great character, you got a great actor, and this is what you're this is what you're giving to it. It's just it's it was nonsensical, and it's just it made me it actually made me feel sad um for the show and for the character and for the actor. Cause I imagine when he got the script, he's like, really, you know, really come on guys. Like everybody else gets these outstanding episodes and, and all that, you know, and I get crap. I finally finished that Mark Altman, Ed Gross book. Now I can't remember what it's called. The, the two, the two volumes, the first 25 years and the second 25 years, the 50th anniversary Star Trek books they did. And there's a, you know, there's a hundred pages or so on Voyager. And um, they talk about, you know, I remember Chicote. Chicote. I remember Beltran talking kind of publicly, crapping on the show and talking about that the show, you know, wasn't good because of the writing. He thought the writers were not. Um, so there's a lot of discussion in there with the writers, 
in the book, interviews with the writers talking about how, yeah, we didn't want to write for him because he was one of them even said, I'd never heard this before. He said they, cause the writers would go watch the dailies. He said in dailies, he would be, you know, it would be showing that, you, you know, you know what the dailies are, right? So the, there's, so they see him performing the lines and he would like turn to the camera and make fun of the writers and like joke about how bad the lines he was saying were, <laughs> you know? Yikes. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was Braga who said, I saw that. I'm like, I'm never writing for this guy. I'm never going to do a Beltran episode ever. It pissed me off. You know, I'm like, yeah, I got to see that. Of course. I would have thought the same thing. You well, know, then that's, a, then that's a failure of communication. Then that's just egos bumping up against each other. If they didn't really like him and th- then write him off the show. I mean, you know, move on. I mean, you know, why, why keep dragging on a, a character that you don't like yeah. and an actor that you don't like and and then everything else suffers because of it then you have a show like this so i mean you know yeah yeah i i, I agree that prog and the writers they see that they get pissed off but i mean at the same time you're a professional you're putting on a a show uh, a cherished show for fans well, he needs to be a professional as an actor up there but, no i agree but then oh, move secondly on. publicly move on. you know he's an ambassador for the show people Especially back then, nobody was interviewing the writers. They were interviewing the actors, right? They were the right. public faces of the show. And he talks about how bad the show is publicly and, and how bad the writing is. And that stuff gets printed and it gets back to them. And, you know. Yeah, then, you know, move on. He's not I mean, you know, from, you, you know, Kess got written off the show. I mean, you know, then write him off. I mean, you know, if it's if it's making the work suffer, then move on. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple because, yeah, then you get – dud episodes like this um that are that are a waste of our time even talking about it it's a waste of you know whoever's going out there and watching star trek over and over or if you're new to star trek and you have to sit through this episode it's just like really i mean every it was a failure on everybody's part then um you know I'm, i wouldn't let braga and all them off the hook because yeah they i mean you know i mean you know from day one i mean what chakotay maybe has one good episode you know single episode through the whole series I mean, we've complained about it time and time again, how the Chakotay character is really not great um, because there's not much, they don't do much with him. Um, so, I mean, you know, well, if you're not going to do anything with the character, then write it off and go go someplace else. Because we, we talked about how, you know, when Kess left and 79 came in, it rejuvenated the show and you got a great character who's got a lot to, to sell through. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of think that's a failure of the show on everybody's part. My uh, eight-year-old son, I'm always trying to get him to watch Star Trek with me and it's, and you know, he's got so much content. It's, he's not into it. Maybe someday, but he happened to finally come in and sit down next to me, but it was during this episode. <laughs> I'm like, uh, buddy, you're my favorite person in the whole world. I love you to death. I, I would love for you to sit down for any other episode, but this terrible, <laughs> terrible <laughs> one, it doesn't make sense if you know the show. And if you don't know the show, then it's, I mean, it's beyond nonsense. This episode. So, yeah, you should have just skipped to the next episode and come back. I should have. Oh God, I really don't. I mean, there's, 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 there's nothing like redeeming in this episode. Not even the, the hallucination that goes on for eight years and four months. They're doing that the way they try to make it look. It's that same, you know, fuzzy, blurry '90s Trek look that we see in all dream sequences a million times. And you're not that conscious of it unless it goes on for eight years and four months. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this is uh, senior million. You know, referencing Threshold is a good one because I agree that that episode is absolutely terrible. But I would disagree. I, you know, it's like if you just on paper 
sure, maybe it's the worst episode. But actually watching them, no, not a chance. I would watch The Threshold 20 times before I would watch the fight again. You, you know, if, if I'm ever watch this episode again, it's going to be like Clockwork Orange. They're going to have me like locked down, toothpicks holding my eyes open. That's the only way this episode is going in my eyeballs again. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. This episode makes me kind of mad. It makes me kind of mad. You know, meta here because Malcolm McDowell too, you know, it's like we're... <laughs> it's Soren. Yeah. Soren is going to have to make me watch this episode. <laughs> You know, it's funny. We haven't even really talked about the episode. With all we've I mean, okay. really, we already spent too much time on it, honestly. I mean, I mean, really, do you want to go into how all the different problems? I mean, it's a bad episode. If you want to, you want to see the problems for yourself, go watch it. I mean, there's yeah, there's not much point in us, you know, dissecting it. Uh, there is nobody that I would say go watch this episode to. <laughs> My worst enemy, I wouldn't say go watch it. Let's save them that trouble. Yeah, let's uh, save them that pain. Let's get this one. Let's save them that horror. Uh, if we don't find a way out of this conversation soon, we're going to die here. I did have a question, you know, about this this crazy space. Would that right. be like um, what the ver- was that like the early version of dark matter space? I mean, you know, I've seen that dark matter space in, in current sci-fi shows, so it kind of just reminded me of it. So. Yeah, yeah, I got nothing. I guess it doesn't matter because who knows yeah, what they were thinking matter. when they <laughs> came up with that. Um. So. So he's a boxer and he uh, communicates sort of with some aliens to get out of some bad spot in space. That's the episode. Uh, is it about anything? Not no. really. Great. Anything else you guys want to mention on this one? No. <laughs> okay, good. Let's move on. Um, I think that was the most, <laughs> the most intangible discussion we've ever had about an episode. For sure. <laughs> Uh, let's do six degrees for the fight. Adam, are you going first or second? I suppose I'll go first. Both this episode and the previous episode, Course Oblivion, only feature a fake alternate version of which of our series leads? That'd be Neelix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve. <laughs> I gave you both a choice. You both had a 50-50 shot at getting those questions. I think you're going to get a mean letter from Steve after this. <laughs> you can read it in the next podcast. <laughs> Steve, Ray Walston makes his final appearances, Boothby, including other Trek series. In how many episodes did he play the character? No multiple choice, huh? Hmm. Gosh, man, I was shot in the dark. Then five. No, for no points, Adam. I was gonna say four. It's three. I shocked too. It's that's why I asked it. It was surprisingly mm. low. It's such a presence, I guess. Right. One next gen and two Voyagers. The next gen was the the first duty, and then the two Voyagers were um, in the yeah, flesh. Wow. Yeah. In this one, hmm, I, I thought it. he showed. I thought he showed up when in DS Nine when they were on Earth when it was Occupy or Martial Law Earth, but... I don't think so. You know, you looked up the question, so... Yeah. Hmm. That's why I said four. I couldn't think of anything else. Yeah. All right. Uh, one to one, moving on. 
Think Tank, Season 5, Episode 20, Production Code 214, Original Air Date, March 31st, 1999, Directed by Terrence O'Hara, Story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, Teleplay by Michael Taylor, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Jason Alexander as Kuros, Christopher Darga as Isek, Christopher Shea as Seowin, Stephen Dennis as Finham, and Tarek Ergen as Lieutenant Ayala and Hazari Krutman. Voyager is sought after by the Hizari, unyielding bounty hunters of the Delta Quadrant, within a sector of space. Every escape route devised by the crew leads to dangerous battles with the Hizari. At their wit's end, they are suddenly visited by the Chorus, a speaker from a small group of highly intelligent aliens that Captain Janeway dubs the Think Tank, who are looking to help Voyager out of their trap. If you were to link with them again, we might be able to disrupt those systems. They can't communicate. They can't function as a think tank. They'd be vulnerable. Back to square one. How do we find them? Simple. We give them what they want. You're going to join their group willingly. All right. Think tank. By the way, did I tell you guys how much I hated the fight? Just <laughs> to... Okay. All right. Uh, think tank. Steve, what are you thinking on think tank? Well, um, it's certainly memorable. Um, obviously, the... At the time, it was a big deal that Jason Alexander guested because he's coming off uh, Friends or not Friends, coming off Seinfeld and whatnot. Now that I would have watched. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And so that was that was the big thing. I mean, I, I, I generally like this episode. I mean, I think it's it's all right. It's got an interesting premise that we haven't really seen before, and there's kind of this uh, uh, game of you know trying to outdo the other guy kind of thing and. Actually, what I remember most about it is uh, my brother and I used to joke about uh, the outthink the think tank. I don't know what it was. We, we both were kind of always kind of annoyed at Janeway's voice. And so whenever we would outdo something of the something, right, outthink the think tank became like kind of the template for that. You know what I mean? It's like outthink the think tank, you know? And so like for years, we, you know, we'd be, if someone did something verb to something and be, well, we're going to out something that, and we based it on that. So that's what I most remember about this episode. Well, so. like that Catherine Hepburn voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's kind of a unique episode the way they handle this. And it, I mean, we've certainly seen these kind of things where you, there's a deception and there's layers of deception and all that kind of thing. And so that's interesting, but uh you know this the nature of this story and this this notion of a crew who goes around and are they solving problems or they're manipulating people or some kind of mix thereof and all that and that's i think that's fairly unique so i i liked it that was interesting yeah i think i'm i'm with you it i think my my primary issue that holds it back it i it is it it opens with a sequence that shows Kuros and all of them, the think tank, not having any mercy and being jerks. So, yeah, yeah. You kind of immediately—I I don't know—I I at least immediately assumed they were the ones that that arranged everything with the Hazari vessels, right? The, the second they ask for seven of nine, you're like, "Oh, this entire thing was orchestrated by them." So that it, it feels like there isn't enough mystery there, and I'm like, it might have been more interesting to for that to be more of a surprise or to base to to. to kind of give the episode a, a different tone maybe or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, even just looking at my notes, like once, once, you know, we get out, think the think tank, 
that whole plot, we it's just an elaborate, you know, deception that isn't that elaborate. So there's it kind of feels like you're ahead of it and you're just waiting for it to all wrap up. And um I mean in my own notes, which I usually fill up a page, they're only half a page. And once I wrote out think the think tank, there's like one more sentence I wrote and that's it. Because you're just kind of waiting for it to wrap up, right? There's nothing else there. Um, and I think that's kind of what holds it back. But I agree with you. It has just enough other stuff to kind of make it interesting and unique. Definitely Jason Alexander and the whole think tank concept. And there's, there's just enough there that's that's different and unique to kind of keep me uh, interested, I guess. But uh, Adam, your first thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in lockstep with both you guys. I'm, I, I, th- I didn't think about it. The way you you just mentioned, Brian, but you're probably correct that if it was a little bit more of a mystery about who was doing this, because I'm I'm with you, you know, you know, you, you, you know what? Should, yeah, you initially have a negative um, view. You of know what makes people. this episode? I'm going to pause you one second. You know what? It makes this episode way way better. What really saves it? For me, it was just the scenes with Jason and um, and Kate McGrew. For me, it's because it comes right after the fight. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you're you're you you got brought okay. back up. I'm not done with the fight, man. I'm not done with it. All right, keep, keep, you, you go ahead. Never give up the fight. We never run from a fight here. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, um, going back, yeah, I'm in agreement. If it was a little bit more of a mystery, it might have it might have held a little bit more interest, you know, because like you said, right off the bat, you have a negative feeling vibe about these guys. Um there's the scene, you know, I would have preferred not to have that scene, you know, where they're all the Janeway and crew and the Hazari or, or the one Hazari or, or playing the think tank game that went on way too long. It kind of drugged for me, even though it didn't, wasn't that long of a scene. It just seemed really long, but I think the, the episode overall is it's, it's good. It's fair. But I think what, it, what, what makes me like it more are the scenes with Jason and um, Kate Mulgrew, you know, they, they have a good um, back and forth and, you know, the kind of this, who can outdo kind of thing going on and they both played off each other very well and i do remember way back when when um jason this was it, this was a big get for voyager getting jason alexander on this side if i remember correctly he specifically wanted to do star trek because he's a big fan if i'm if i'm not mistaken um you guys might know more about that but yeah i enjoyed it i remember that back then and i enjoyed jason on the show and um, yeah overall it was pretty good and there's probably probably you're probably correct we probably feel better about it because what we had just witnessed in the previous episode wasn't there a seinfeld episode when he where he hollers con or they make some kind of joke about the con yell from yeah they do yeah i feel like yeah i don't remember i i didn't i, I think i, I think I, they're I watched, in the diner yeah they're in the diner yeah. okay i watched a few episodes of seinfeld not many i always have i always had a hard time with shows well, they, so they yell kramer i don't know I don't remember what it was. Uh, somebody that listens to our podcast that loves Seinfeld is like, you idiots. It's there. Like, I'm sorry. I can't remember. But yes, I, I do recall Jason Alexander uh, was a Star Trek fan. I kind of like their, I don't know, their ship design. And it's fun, the different creatures on their ship. And even one of them being an, an AI, you know, that, that's all. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's unique. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I have about as much about as much to say about it as my notes indicate, which isn't a lot. There isn't a lot to it. The scene also had that on my note. You know, the scene with um, Seven of Nine and Janeway. You know, would kind of come a long way. You know, she kind of you know Janeway letting her make this decision. That was a good scene between the two of them because we said you know up to this point you know it's kind of been more of a Janeway's kind of been more parental of Seven of Nine 
and now she's kind of letting her, you know, make her own decisions, you know, at, get out of the nest. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice scene. That does say something about their kind of relationship that's worthwhile. Yeah. What's this episode about? The episode is about, well, you know, it's about trusting, you know, it's about trusting those who are around you. Obviously, you know, I brought up the scene between Janeway and and Seven, you know, their evolution of their relationship where Janeway completely trusts Seven and Seven, there's not that hostility, you know, confrontation between them anymore. And so I, I think it's, you know, you trust the people around you, you know, a think tank bouncing ideas and, and trusting the person next to you is going to come up with an idea and you take that or it, it goes away. So yeah, teamwork, um, that kind of thing. I think for me, this, this kind of, this episode kind of hides behind a novel concept in a way, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it has a lot to say that's, you know, profound, you know, I think it's just, they, they did a good job in coming up with a, a, a novel notion, you know, but I don't think that it, it, it says a whole lot. I mean, you could talk about, because as we kind of established, I mean, it's, it's like at this point, the, at least as it evidenced by this episode, the Janeway seven thing is kind of like resolved. It's like, Oh, you know, uh, thanks for giving the choice. Well, of course. Great. You know, everyone's cordial and it's cool. And then, um, you know, we, we let's work together to outthink the think tank. Well, of course you are. What else are you doing? You just having one person make, you I mean, yeah, I know Janeway kind of takes her risks and, you know, flies off the handle sometimes this kind of idea, but yeah, I mean, to some extent or another, you're getting input from all sorts of people to make decisions and do these kind of things. I, I think, I think it's, I think it's an interesting concept and I do enjoy it. And I like Jason Alexander and all these kind of things, but um, as far as what it, what it has to say, I think, I think it's, it's, it's fairly limited to just maybe, you know, working together to solve problems and, outdo whatever someone else is doing. I mean, they kind of get it. They try to get into a little bit about, you know, um, the morality of what this think tank is doing. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, they're kind of profiteering off of um, these people's problems kind of thing. They don't really flesh it out. Yeah. I mean, in a way that's a missed opportunity because I think it's just this notion of they touch on it, right? They touch on this idea of um, the, the moral obligation to use, you know, whatever abilities and, you know, you have for doing something positive, they, they do touch on it, you know, um, but they don't, they don't dive into it. They, they, they had an opportunity here to really explore that notion of, Charity. do you have some kind of moral obligation if you have abilities or whatever beyond someone else's to, to do it for some kind of positive, in po- some positive way versus just for profit for yourself. But, and that's, that's barely touched on really. All right, let's do six degrees for Think Tank. I'm going to give this one to Steve because he brought it up first. Jason Alexander plays Kuros. Name the character he played on Seinfeld. Mm. Uh, Let me think. I I didn't watch it regularly either. I just heard about it kind of thing and saw a few episodes. His name is somehow memorable. His character name. I mean, he's, he's probably the only person besides... Jerry Seinfeld that I could name his character, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not coming to me. Yeah. No. No. Adam. George Costanza. Mm. There you go. 
Uh, Adam Christopher Darga plays Yesik, one of the Hazari bounty hunters. He also played the Klingon Vorok in the first season Enterprise episode in which Trip gets pregnant. Name the episode. The episode where Trip gets pregnant. For I the win. The, um, I do remember the episode. Uh, Steve can probably just take this one. since he, If you give it to up. Steve and he gets it, he's going to tie it instead of you winning. Yeah, I have no idea what the name of the episode is. I'd have to like throw out a wild guess. Um, I don't know. Um, it was surprising. Um, I don't know. Impregnated. Gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I gave you a pretty good hint there. Yep, 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 yep. Um, gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. <clears throat> it was definitely not anticipated. It's just not coming to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, when you're pregnant, sometimes people say you're expecting. Mm-hmm. Oh, unexpected, probably. There you go. Yep, yeah, it was unexpected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Adam takes it for the day, two to one. Yeah. It's a low score. The creation Star Trek show was last weekend. And then, yeah, and we, uh, I kind of read some stuff about what was said about what was said about that uh, animated show, Lower Decks. I mean, it sounds pretty great. I mean, it sounds like exactly what I wanted that show to be. I, I'm I'm excited about it. That was the hmm. coolest thing. Still excited about Picard. Some new stuff came out about Picard, but it sounds great. The other thing I want to talk about for a second is the last time there was a mass shooting. One of the, some of the feed based on some of the feedback I got from listeners, I decided I'm going to say something every time, uh, and I'm not going to beat around the bush so much. Uh, so, just to be explicitly clear, there were tragedies last weekend in Dayton and El Paso, and uh, if you believe in the beautiful, hopeful, utopian Star Trek future, which I personally have to believe in and that's a big part of why i love the show then i hope you agree with me that that you believe in a future with less guns and not more guns um so write your congressman or congresswoman and ask them to enact and enable uh common sense you know um, gun control uh, take action uh if, if you want that beauty of star trek if what you love about star trek is the hopeful future then you know, be it be a part of the change you want to see in the world. All right. Um, so thank you for spending an hour with us. We're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager's fifth season. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. You can send us an email, Trek Companion at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes. That's how people find us. That's very helpful. So thanks again. And until next time, take it easy. Bye guys. See ya.
Stefan, I passed it.